This is Saving Grace, Living in the Light of God's Love, a broadcast ministry of Grace Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology, a seminary to the world, committed to the truth of Scripture and life application through the lens of grace. And now, our program. Hello, I'm Carmen Pate. I'm your host for today's program. We're so glad you've joined us as we continue a fascinating discussion from the book of Hebrews with our guest who writes, Hebrews emphasizes the importance for Christians to live as companions with Christ with a view to their future service in the kingdom to come, where the Lord will reign as the King of Kings. Walking with Christ today in alignment with his word will result in rewards in the coming kingdom rule of Jesus Christ. I am excited to get into this discussion today, and I hope you are as well. Our guest is Jeremy Vance, a pastor for over 20 years. Jeremy received his undergraduate degree in religion with an emphasis in church history from Northwestern College in Orange City, Iowa. He earned a Master of Divinity in Biblical Communication from Phoenix Seminary and a uh, Doctorate in Ministry from Grace School of Theology. Jeremy is currently senior pastor at Faith Church in Manitowoc, Wisconsin. He serves on the board of the Free Grace Alliance. Jeremy is the author of uh, Companions with Christ, How to Walk with Jesus, the topic of our discussion today. Welcome back, Jeremy. Good to be back. Thank you. Yes, yes. Well, you know, last week we set the foundation of being companions with Christ as we talked through the passages of the first four chapters of Hebrews uh, about who Jesus is, uh, the great adventure that we have with him, the perfect plan of God motivated by grace uh, that sent Jesus as our perfect sacrifice, and the rest that God intends that we have in him. But as we come to chapter five of Hebrews, the author talks about maturity of believers. So Jeremy, why is it important for Christians to grow spiritually? Because some will go, well, you know what, I'm saved. Isn't that all that I need to do now? Uh, How would you respond to that? The goal of our salvation is not heaven when we die that's actually a byproduct of the goal of our salvation God saves us to have a relationship with him and with every relationship that we have if we wanted to have any level of substance we have to invest in that relationship we have to mature in that relationship and so the offer of the gospel is not heaven when we die the offer of the gospel is to have a relationship with god that starts today and lasts forever and so just like every relationship um god desires for us to deepen in our relationship with him which is another way of saying to mature in this relationship. Yes, yes, and not remain babes in Christ. 
you know, it, it'll be helpful, I think, for us to talk about what it looks like to be mature in Christ and more importantly, how we get there. Uh, you know, we, we see the importance of maturity in our culture. Uh, you know, you have to be a certain age to drive, to vote, to do certain things. Uh, but being mature spiritually is is takes goes on a whole new, new new level. Now you mentioned that it's a process of listening, learning, teaching, depending. Uh, so let's break those down if we could. Uh, first of all, that we must be good listeners. Yeah, when you get to Hebrews chapter five, uh, the author of Hebrews, who nobody really knows who that author is um, specifically, there's guesses out there, but. Um, we'll leave it as a mystery because nobody actually knows. He gets chapter 5, and it's interesting that the author tells the readers who are Christians, in Hebrews 5.11, he says, concerning him, and the him can relate to, many people think it might be Melchizedek, but other translations do say concerning this, and in the context that this would be the high priestly ministry of Jesus, mm-hmm. which is the way I lean actually in understanding this. But concerning this, we have much to say, and it's difficult to explain, since you have become, my translation here says, poor listeners, or other translations say sluggish. Mm-hmm. That word there is a pretty rare word. It's only found twice in the Bible, here in 511, and then over in 612, that says, so that you will not be sluggish. Yeah. So the what the author of Hebrews is saying is, listen, you guys have become sluggish in mm. your learning. You have become slow to hear, uh, um, as, as this translation again says, poor listeners. Like, he's warning them, like, you're not maturing. You're not listening well. If we are going to grow as companions with Christ, we have to, we must be in tune to actually listen. So when you go to church on Sunday morning uh, or Saturday night or whenever you go, be sure to commit your ears to the Lord. Say, Lord, mm-hmm. you've got something here for me. So mm-hmm. um, help me to listen well. Or when I'm having a, uh, you know, I'm having a coffee with a Christian brother or sister or whatever, Lord, you probably have something here for me to help me to grow. So help me not to be sluggish in my listening. Help me not to be dull of hearing. Help me not to, help me not to, um, you know, be a bad listener. But I want to be a good listener. And I think wisdom comes through listening well. And I think that's what the book of Hebrews lays out. So we we've got to be good listeners if we're going to mature. That's just the bottom line. Yes, yes. And would you say that one of the signs of listening well would be acting on what you hear? Uh, you know, it's kind of like in James. You know, not, don't just be doers, uh, listeners, hearers, hearers of the word, but be doers as well. And uh, so maybe there's it's also taking action on what you heard, making life application. Yeah, or I would add to that, or stop action. <laughs> oh, right. That's well, that's a good point. Something. Yeah, yeah, good point. Well, you know, there's a there's a uh, you learn in your education uh, with with you know masters of divinity and whatever you you learn how to be an active listener. Counselors will will um, you know they'll get training in being an active listener, mm-hmm. and an active listener listens 
and then says back to the person, this is what I hear you saying. And they get the chance to say, no, that's not what I said. What I was trying to say is this, that, or the other thing. Or, mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's exactly what I was saying. And I think even as we're reading the scriptures, it's a good practice to, in a sense, say to ourselves, so this is what I hear the scriptures saying, meaning say back the text. Or mm -hmm. I've even read the scriptures out loud to myself so that I'm actually listening to what I'm reading. Mm, a lot of times that's we good. Think, oh, I read that every day. And it's a matter of just reading the words quick and going along instead of actually like listening to what God's word has yeah. to say. So yeah. being good listeners is when it comes to the scriptures is like, I want to read this book like it's God's love letter to mm -hmm. me, as Howard Hendricks once said. Mm -hmm. This is God's love letter to me, so I want to read it in a way where I'm really trying to listen to what God is telling me through his word. Just like that passage I just said, we have become dull of hearing or poor mm -hmm. listeners. Like, mm -hmm. wait, I want to stop. Lord, are you talking to me about that? Am I a dull listener? Am I sluggish in my listening? Instead of just reading it and going on. Yeah. So being a good listener, an active listener is so critical if we're going to be maturing in Christ. Yes, yes, yes. Well, I learned a long time ago that I will never stop learning. Uh, we'll always be learning. Uh, but one of one of the points you make is that we must be lifelong learners if we're going to mature. Speak to that. Well, the scripture um, uh, in here, even he's telling us to listen. Um, we are to, um, if we're going to teach, it does say here, solid food is for the mature who because of practice have their senses trained to distinguish between good and evil. That's mm -hmm. verse 14 of chapter five of Hebrews. Yes. And it's the concept that we have to practice. In other words, we have to be engaged in learning. We have to be yeah. engaged in using our spiritual gifts, in relying on the Lord. Uh, we have to be engaged in, um, we have to be engaged in this Christian life. It can't, it's not a passive faith. It's an active faith. It's not, it's not something where I can just kind of be a consumer. If I'm actually going to grow in the way the Lord wants me to grow, I have to be engaged. And, and engagement does mean I'm always learning. Engagement does mean I am serving by uh, another translation of this says because of this says because of practice. I think it's the New King James Version that says by reason of use, like you have to use what God has given to us mm -hmm. in serving him and serving in his church and serving him in some capacity. Mm -hmm. um, and that is how we grow to discern between good and evil. That's how we grow to maturity. It's yeah. like this whole section of this book is talking about. Yes, and you know, when you think about, again, just our culture today, uh, in our society, uh, good is called evil, evil is called good. And if we are not growing in maturity, we're going to be gullible to the lies. We're not going to believe truth any longer. Uh, so I, I just think this is critical, Jeremy, for our day and time that we be good listeners, that we continue to learn and learn from 
from the word and learn from those credible teachers who are not going to share their own opinion, but tell us what God says uh, in order to to be discerning. Uh, We certainly need to be praying that we see more of that in all of us as believers. Uh, you know, you did mention about being teachers. You know, we're teachers whether we have a, it doesn't have to be vocational and it doesn't have to mean that we've signed up to be a teacher. We are influencing people all the time, aren't we? We are all teachers. That's right. I, I When I have taught this, when I wrote about it here, um, that we ought to, by this time, you ought to be teachers. He's not saying you ought to be teachers, those of you who have the gift of teaching, or you ought to be teachers, those of you who have the education behind you to actually teach. He's talking to every Christian, everybody here, that you ought to be teachers, and just like you said, I mean, you know, we're supposed to instruct our children, we, um, a husband and a wife, they're partners in ministry, like Priscilla and Aquila, they were teaching each other, and they were teaching yeah. others together, and, and um, um, in Ephesians 5, where husbands are to um, have take on the spiritual responsibility for their wives growing in their faith. And yeah. so whatever that might look like in that relationship, um, over and over and over again throughout the scriptures, it's not, well, that you who are gifted in teaching ought to be teachers. It's just, I like how you said it, Carmen. You said, we're always influencing other people. And in that, we are teaching. Yeah. So, yes. And if by this time we ought to be teachers, what he's saying is you ought to be able to understand particularly what it means that Jesus is our high priest. What what does it mean that Jesus is the reason why we have this relationship with God? He is the the very reason why. We don't have a relationship with God apart from Jesus. He even said it himself. Yep. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No Mm. one comes to the Father except by me. So... Mm. We should be able to teach that. We should, yes. as a Christian, we should have that where it's right at, right at the forefront of our minds. And he's, he's saying, listen, Christians, this is an issue that you got to focus on. You have to mature because by this time you ought to be teachers, but you're not. you got to be taught this again and again and again. So yeah. The, yeah. The, the admonition is to keep growing. Keep, keep growing. Keep maturing. Keep staying engaged in what this Christian life is all about. Yes, yes. And then I think probably the most important point in this process that you mentioned is the dependence that we must have on God. Uh, we can't do this in our in our own strength or power. We don't have it. Amen. I fully agree. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, in our flesh, Jeremy, we all fail to be continually faithful in our walk as much as we desire it. Uh, and some become complacent and they do drift away. And we referenced this a, a little bit last week. Uh, drift away from the word. They'll d- drift away from Christian fellowship. There's much discussion of this in Hebrews 6. Uh, Some interpret these verses to mean that you lose your salvation. Uh, Let's kind of reinforce again. We we touched on it a bit last week, but help us to understand what the author of Hebrews is telling those who don't listen, those who don't learn, and those who don't grow, those who remain babes in Christ. What is the message he is giving them? Yeah, this Hebrews 6, when I... Talk to people about the book of Hebrews, they will say to me, what's your take on Hebrews 6? Like Hebrews 6 
is probably the most controversial section of the book of Hebrews, maybe of the New Testament for that matter. Yeah. And it has divided Christians over the centuries. Yeah. And um, again, reading the pronouns, understanding the audience that the author of Hebrews is writing to, we're talking about Christians and the warning in Hebrews 6 is these people who the author of Hebrews goes through great lengths to say these aren't just the, the you know there's some terms out there like this is just a professor not a oh. not an actual Christian or they don't have genuine belief or something like that and yet the author goes to great great lengths to say these are clearly Christians these are clearly born-again people um, let me just take a second to remind us what it does say um, he says uh, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened have tasted the heavenly gift have been made partakers of the Holy Spirit and have tasted the good word of God and the powers of the age to come and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance. It's impossible to do this since they have crucified for themselves the Son of God and have put him to open shame. Let me just say this. It says it's impossible to renew them again to repentance or renew them again back to the faith. And my question that I raise in the book and the I always raise it every time I go through this. Impossible for whom? The Bible is clear. Nothing is impossible for God. So, and it's a terrible, that's not the gospel to say, even if you say these aren't an actual believer, but they've rejected the Holy Spirit and everything, to say it's impossible for them to come to faith in Jesus and mm. be forever saved. Mm. There's no place in the Bible that says, it's impossible for that to happen. No, no. This is actually saying, this is impossible for you and me. And I think what was happening when the when this was written, when this letter was written, or what I think might be an extended sermon was written, that's what the book of Hebrews I think is, uh, it's impossible for us when somebody has, you know, all these warnings that he said, don't drift away, don't neglect this faith, don't harden your hearts, Remember the deceitfulness of sin. All of these warnings that he had set up until this point. Yes. And the reality is Christians do all these things and they reject God. And it's impossible for you and I to renew them again to repentance. It's impossible for us to renew them to change their mind about the direction that they're going. Um, that's what this is written about. This is yeah. saying... Um, there are people who won't learn, they won't grow. Yeah. And it's not impossible for God. But realize, okay, we understand it's impossible for you. So I wouldn't, I would never stop praying for them. I have even siblings that I have their testimony uh, that they wrote when they were teenagers and now they're 60 something. Um, and when they were teenagers, they professed faith in Jesus. Clearly they're saved, but they have a hardened heart against Jesus. And I haven't stopped praying for them over the decades, and yes. I'm hoping for for them to come back. But yes, I yes. don't think by my own efforts or by my ability to have an, a rational argument or conversation with them, am I going to renew them back? Oh, you know what? You made I, I, I hadn't thought of that. I'll right, right. Back to the faith. They just don't do it. They just don't do it. And I think that's what he's he's talking about here. You know, I think so too. And I am just so 
glad that you shared that because so many, uh, you know, don't know, do I just give up on them? Do I, you know, and, and they'll refer back to this passage and it's like, no, no, God can restore them. And God works miracles to change hardened hearts, uh, to make them pliable again. Look at the prodigal son. Uh, But like you said, but you and I, oh, yeah, they're not going to listen to us. Uh, Even if it's a close family member, they're just not going to do that. So, yes, I'm thankful that nothing is impossible with God, Jeremy. (laughs) So, well, uh, you point out that much of our dissatisfaction in life uh, as being, you know, we're companions with Christ, but a lot of our dissatisfaction comes from the fact that we're not living the life that God made us to live. How does Hebrews speak to the importance of serving to find the satisfaction as companions of Christ? Now, again, I can go back to that five, uh, chapter five and verse 14. I mentioned by reason of use has have their senses trained to discern good and evil. Yeah. That maturity to move toward maturity, move toward walking in step with Jesus and being his companion happens through serving. That um, and people are, are like, Well, I don't know what to do. I don't I don't you know, I don't know my gifting or I'm not sure where I can help. Yeah. The way that we figure out how to be a companion with Christ is to just start serving. Like just yeah. go to church and say, how can I help? Go to church and say, I want to serve in some way. Um, and it might feel remedial. It might feel like this is just, this is you know below my pay grade or whatever, but just serve. Start to serve and God will offer another opportunity, another opportunity, another opportunity. And you and I will keep moving toward the bullseye of God's desire for our life. I know that if I look over my shoulder in the past 30 years of being in full-time ministry, I feel like I'm more in my bullseye today as far as what God has made me for than I was 20, 30 years ago. And yet I still feel like I'm moving in that direction. And, And it's just a matter of being faithfully serving by reason of use being engaged that we will find that satisfaction that Jesus wants us to, to have. It's going to, you know, the first will be last, the last will be first. If you want to be a great in the kingdom, you got to be a servant of all. This is just a biblical concept that we have to be servants serving our king and serving people. And he will then grow us in our joy of being a companion with what he's doing in the, in the world. Oh, he truly so just will. Just be willing and be willing and don't and, and don't feel like something's below you. Just mm-hmm. serve and mm-hmm. see what God does. Yes, that's very good. I've always felt you find where your passion meets opportunity. And that's where you'll find joy in serving the Lord. It's a a beautiful thing, the way it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing that I would add to that is ask yourself the question when you're doing activities, does this matter for eternity or not? Mm. And I think that's a good grid for how do I know if I'm walking in step with Jesus? How do I know if I'm investing in the things that matter to him? 
does, is, does this really matter for eternity or not? Now it might be, let's say it's uh, working on a car or working on an automobile or something. Mm -hmm. I like, you know, maybe you like to work on cars. You think, well, this doesn't really matter for eternity. Yeah, but the conversation that I'm having with the guy that's helping me work on my car, that matters for eternity. Yes. Or, you know, we're going to go to a boarding event with my family. Does this really matter for eternity? Maybe not. But you know what? I'm investing in my relationship with my, my kids and my wife. And yeah. that matters for eternity. And we're creating memories. And so put it through the grid of, does this matter for eternity? Mm -hmm. And not mm -hmm. that we can't ever do anything that really doesn't hey let's watch this tv show and it really doesn't matter for eternity or whatever but yeah when it comes to feeling like am i actually a companion with jesus or not just ask that question well what i'm doing is this does this matter for eternity yeah and that's a good that's just a good simple question it is very very good well we only have a, a few minutes left but i i can't uh, talk. We can't talk about Hebrews without at least mentioning <laughs> Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, as as it's known by many. And you know, as we think about the heroes of the faith, as God saw fit to call them, uh, we all want to have that kind of faith, Jeremy, the a faith that truly brings God pleasure. So you say it starts by having a faith that is focused. In our closing moments, how can we have that kind of faith? Our faith is not a faith in a philosophy or a, our faith is not a faith in a higher power, as vague as that sounds. Our faith is a faith in the very being of Jesus Christ. Mm. Our faith, I, I can broaden that to say the, the triune God, but Jesus even called himself the I am. You might remember in John yes. 8 when, when he called himself the I am and it, they wanted to stone him because he was identifying with God. And so understanding that our faith is a faith in Jesus, it's a relationship with him. We keep going back to that. But that's the whole book of Hebrews, and I think that's the whole thrust of the Bible, quite honestly. Right. Um, about relationship with Jesus that starts today, lasts forever, and that we can walk in step with him. Avoid these things that Hebrews warns us against. Um, stay in those there's three things that help us to stay close to him the Bible the reliance on him uh, the Holy Spirit in us and fellowship with other believers mm -hmm. and we really need those things to stay close to him and that's what makes this relationship with him vibrant that's what makes our faith vibrant and yes without yeah. without Jesus you know it's an emptiness there's just mm -hmm. a Jesus is is who we focus on, and, it, and the relationship with Him is what it's all about. Amen. Amen. Well, thank you, Jeremy, for the excellent insights on Hebrews, and uh, these past two weeks have been so helpful. Uh, we're going to have you back. Hope we'll have you back uh, before too long. We might even dig into some of your other writing or continue in Hebrews. Uh, but we want to thank you. Thank you for being with us today. And we thank our listeners. I encourage you to check out our program notes where you're going to find information on Jeremy Vance uh, and his book, Companions with Christ. Perhaps our discussion has motivated you to learn more about walking with and growing in maturity in Christ. We do hope you'll uh, check out the many courses offered through Grace School, um, uh, Grace 
Center for Spiritual Development and Grace School of Theology. You can go to gsot.edu. That's gsot.edu. You can always download our Grace app. We're so glad that you've tuned in. We uh, hope you'll tell others about saving grace. And remember, the love of Christ can never be earned and can never be lost. You've been listening to Saving Grace. For more information about Grace Center for Spiritual Development or this program, visit our website at gsot.edu center or download the Grace app through your smartphone. Views expressed on this program may not always be the views of Grace School of Theology or its leadership.